0: Today, from the broadcast archives of Compassion Radio 360. Morning, honey. This is Compassion Radio's 360 program. It's Friday. It's time for us to look around the world again and see what's going on out there.
1: And there's a lot going on out there.
0: We try to find the stories that are somewhat inspiring and encouraging and hopefully warm our hearts to the things that warm the heart of God. That is our hope for this Mm. program. And the good thing is there are a lot of great stories out there. We're on the radio because we believe that God has a message himself, something Mm. he wants to communicate to us, and it is not about anger and hate it's about finding truth and life and love
1: the thing about the stories that are about anger and hate and violence those stories are the catalyst for a really good story the story that we're going to highlight today is one of those stories that started out with really bad news and the story is about two young gals who came to the united states over 20 years ago as refugees They were 17 and almost 12 years old. They were fleeing the former Yugoslavia.
0: And now these young girls are forced out. Mm -hmm. They had no family to rely on. They were stuck. They were literally in the refugee camps with only each other to hang on to.
1: Right. Well, they have a brother in Iowa who was attending college at the time. They were told then that they had to come to America to stay with their brother because there was no other place for them to be. Mm -hmm. So here they are on a plane flying from Amsterdam in the Netherlands to the United States, most likely traumatized Mm, and just fearful. I mean, here they are, young girls thrown into this completely unfamiliar place.
0: If I remember correctly, details of that particular journey were that they'd never flown before. Right. And they never left their country. Mm -hmm. So they've got inexperience in travel and have no friends. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What would you do but sit there and fear?
1: (laughs) Right, right. There was a woman who was traveling back from a tennis tournament in Paris, France. She happens to sit on the same row with these two young girls. And as one often does, this woman named Tracy began to try and have a conversation with these gals. And
0: the girls knew a little bit of rudimentary English.
1: Right, right. And had
0: probably been taught a few phrases, too, to say or to introduce themselves so they could identify themselves when they go through customs and that kind of stuff. Right. So there really are kind of a step ahead of many other refugees in that they could at least make their intentions known, but still not brave about Mm, doing this. mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: So this woman had an impact on these young girls. What happened?
1: Absolutely. As the plane landed and they were gathering their things to get off the plane, Tracy thought, I've got to do something just to show these girls that someone cares about them and someone wants to help them.
0: She had gathered that they really didn't have anything with them.
1: They hardly had any possessions at all. Yeah. She rifled through her purse and found $100, grabbed an envelope from a hotel that she had stayed in, stuck it in there with a pair of dangly earrings. Apparently, one of the girls had noticed her earrings and said they were pretty. So she stuck these earrings into this envelope, scribbled a note on the envelope saying, I'm so sorry that your country has been destroyed. I hope that you find welcome in your new country and welcome to the United States of America. Sealed it up and gave them this envelope as they were getting off the plane. Mm -hmm. And then she went home to Minneapolis. Right. These two gals in turn went to Iowa Mm -hmm. to meet their brother. Over the years, they have often thought of Tracy. She gave them a gift that helped them survive in a lot of ways because their brother was a struggling college student, probably didn't have money to raise two girls alongside of taking care of himself and working and going to school. $100 Mm -hmm. helped them buy food throughout the summer and keep them from being hungry. The younger of the two, Ada, kept the envelope all these years. And about 10 years ago, she decided to go on a quest and find Tracy, if it was at all possible. So she began to look online, trying to find ways that she could search out who Tracy was and where she lived. She remembered that Tracy played tennis. Because she told him about a tournament in Paris, France, and so she thought, I'm going to look up tennis people and you know all these clubs and whatever. Maybe she's a professional or something. Yeah. Right? She knew kind of what she looked like, and so she posted a description online. Well, it began to go viral. Had a
0: local reporter picked up a story? Is that how it ended up becoming part of the media?
1: She posted a video on Reddit and on Twitter. Okay. These are both social media platforms. A refugee advocacy organization, a couple of them actually, saw this and picked up on it and thought, we got to help these gals. We got to help them find this woman who helped them. And they begin to go through their networks and asking the public to reach out to people that you know. The gal, Ada, said, I want to find her to thank her for her generosity and to let her know that we are both doing well. We are thriving and we love our new country, our new home. So please, if anyone knows who this could be, please let us know. She said that it's a story that I've told many times. I've told everyone that I know about this woman, Tracy, who helped us. But I don't know how this story is going to end. Hmm. I may spend the rest of my life trying to find her and then maybe her family if she's gone.
0: But this is the age of the Internet.
1: It certainly is. And CNN picked it up mm-hmm. to do a little research themselves. They actually interviewed Ada a little over a year ago, you know, throwing out a wider net. After CNN published this story, 34 hours later... Mm-hmm. There was a response. After this response, the sisters were thrilled. Ada was especially thrilled because she had been the one to initiate all this. So people all over the country were tweeting and retweeting, posting it on Facebook and their other social media platforms. She had a picture of the envelope with what Tracy had written out there. Well, someone recognize the handwriting?
0: Handwriting, yeah. Someone will recognize you in your own writing. Mm-hmm. This person did not have any other connections, any other way through to the girls in Iowa. She just saw the leads on the internet and recognized that picture. So I know who that is.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they had sent this picture out through whatever channels they had to different tennis clubs mm. around the country. It happened to be posted on a webpage of a tennis club in Minnesota that Tracy is a member of. Tracy's daughter recognized the handwriting, but so also did one of her tennis coaches. And mm. she thought, I think that's Tracy's handwriting. So she kept a scrapbook. She had been on the same trip with Tracy to go to the French Open. So she went back through the scrapbook to make sure that Tracy was on that trip. She was. So less than a year ago, they got together. So back in May, when this story first ran, 34 hours later, Tracy gets pinged by somebody and they connect the girls and they were able to do a Zoom call. The first time seeing each other face-to-face in 23 years. Yep. What a beautiful story. Doesn't stop there. December 12th, 2022, CNN hosted a celebration of heroes. They do that every year. From all over the country, they gather together all of these people who have acted in a heroic manner in some way.
0: And one of them gets an award for being the most voted up nonprofit Mm -hmm. or ministry of some kind. It Mm -hmm. makes a difference where they are.
1: So CNN wanted these gals to get together in person.
0: What a great place to do it.
1: Right. They flew them all into New York. They spent a great long weekend together in New York and went on a tour of the city. They were able to go to Rockefeller Square and see the Christmas tree, mm-hmm. took a selfie in front of the Christmas tree together. Their hearts were just knit together, yeah, all because of the kindness of this woman. And over the years, the sisters did not forget that kindness. Mm-hmm. They did not forget that this woman treated them with respect and kindness and compassion,
0: and it seemed like everyone who speaks about the story when they realize who it was. Anybody who knew Tracy was like, oh, that's exactly who she is. So she practically adopts these girls. And these girls felt like they had a sister or a mother figure in Tracy. For them, it was a great reward, not just that they get to spend time with her, but that they succeeded in the search. The search itself was worthy. Mm. Even if they never found her, other people would hear the story of their pursuit and realize that gratitude makes a difference.
1: Absolutely.
0: And that welcome. And hospitality and care and compassion for those makes a world of difference for those who receive it, mm. especially at critical times in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the places you and I have gone so many times, some of the people that are sitting next to us will be refugees. Mm-hmm. And I remember leaving Istanbul about five years ago, and a lady was sitting next to me with a packet of information in her lap, and she was statue still, barely moved. She was looking around only with her eyes. She was a tiny little woman. She opened this packet to put something into it, and it spilled off of her dress, and stuff went all over the floor. Mm. And she was mortified.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, of course, I picked up the material I could find under the seats, and it was a mess. The papers were everywhere. I could see on them that they had refugee and UNHCR stamps on a number of the pages. So she was obviously being transferred. And UNHCR is the United Nations High Commission for Refugees, Mm -hmm. responsible for the entire world when it comes to displaced persons that are crossing national borders. So, this woman sitting next to me was a prime example of the kind of people that we've been called to go visit with. I was thrilled. And I looked at the paper and I realized she had a Syrian passport. I didn't know they were moving many Syrian refugees around much because we've seen them spilling over into Lebanon or into Turkey or right. even back into Iraq, but so few of them have been allowed to move. Mm. And I was stunned that she was actually on a flight heading to Amsterdam with me. Speaking of Amsterdam. Mm. I tried to strike up a conversation with her as gently as I could. I wasn't trying to scare or anything, but she just put a finger up at me and stood up and stepped out quietly. By the time she got back, she introduced me to her daughter, oh. twelve years old, spoke fluent English. Wow! She was holding her mother's hand. And she said, "My mom wants to thank you for being kind."
1: Something so simple that we can all do. I hadn't done anything yet.
0: This young girl asked if it would be okay if she sat with me and talked with me for a while. I said, "Absolutely." So, but I don't want to steal your mom's seat. She just wanted to make sure that you had someone to talk to and heard our story. I said, Great. So we sat down, and this young girl started talking about where they came from in, near Aleppo and how they'd been chased out three or four times, that every building she'd ever lived in was completely destroyed. Hmm. And she saw it happen. After she told me her story about where she had come from, I asked her, where are you going to next? I'm not sure how you pronounce this. She was showing me something in English. It was a very scratchy European style handwriting, which is usually kind of almost cursive, but more vertical. Mm. And it's very common in Europe. So I deciphered it a bit. I realized it was in Dutch. Are they sending you to Holland? She said, Holland. Yes, Holland. (laughs) And so we talked about that for a while. I managed to find enough of a map section in the back of the airline book to talk about the countries in Europe. And... I said, do you know anything about this country? She said, no. I said, are you okay with that? And she was like, we're ready to go. I mean, that's all she said. She didn't have any other words for it. I said, well, you're going to a beautiful country. And described people I knew there and the places I'd been to and asked her if she'd ever seen a picture of wooden shoes and that kind of stuff. And her English, of course, was fluent. And I said, you'll have to learn another language now. Dutch is the language on the streets. And it's not an easy language to learn. I said, but I think you can do it because you've learned English in five months in a refugee mm-hmm. camp. They will also speak to you in English in all the schools. That will be very helpful. And you get to ride a bicycle everywhere you want to go if you want to. And we (laughs) we found the actual name of the village where she'd be getting sent to. I pulled that up on my phone to show her on my phone map where that city was. And then we pulled it back out. I showed her the earth. Mm. She looked at where her country was, where Holland was, and thought, that's like the other side of the planet for her. And then she said, where do you live? And I said, over here, Idaho. Mm -hmm. She looked at that and said, you go farther than I do. I said, yeah, quite a bit. But anyway, that connection for me was special. I knew I couldn't take the story much farther than that publicly because she's a minor. And you don't just talk about a lot of details of somebody on the air that's not of age without their permission and wasn't able to get permission directly from the mother or the daughter. We did get a selfie together with her mom's blessing. And I showed it to you and the kids when mm-hmm. I got home and that we were praying for her. You know, yeah, that's just one run in with somebody. And I think I put together, not a cash gift, I put together like candy or something and gave her a little gift bag and just wished her well. That's just my one story. Yeah. I probably will never see them again. I just resonate with the story, of course, because I've been there in that seat. Yeah. I was thinking, I told you this when I got home, I so wish you had been there. (laughs) Because I know that you would have been able to connect with these women, and especially that young girl, on a much deeper level than I could, just as a father figure, and would have loved to see you in action able to hear their stories. So we come to the midpoint, really, of the story of these young girls in Iowa. So Ida and her sister have found their friend, the first friend they met. They weren't even in America yet, but she gave them welcome on the way to America. And these girls have obviously survived and thrived, and they're now young professionals. Mm -hmm. What did Tracy discover about the girls that you read about in the articles?
1: Well, she discovered that they had both grown up very successfully and done very well with their lives. One of the gals is about to get married in 2023 and have built for themselves a home Mm -hmm. here in the United States. The one gal, Ida, lives in the Boston area now. Mm -hmm. She's 35 now. She is working in nonprofit Mm. leadership and organizational things. She works in consulting people who are welcoming refugees into the United States. She
0: teaches people how to be welcoming.
1: She does. What a great job. Yeah. And her sister is now an anesthesiologist Uh in Connecticut in a a hospital setting there.
0: So they're still near each other, but not living in the same town.
1: Right. And she said that this envelope that her sister, Ida, has kept all these years is a reason and a reminder that she tries to pay it forward every chance she gets. She says, I always give to people in need if I'm able to. If I have Mm -hmm. opportunity to help someone out, I want to do it every single time because this woman literally changed our lives.
0: Those who have a story know that everybody they see has one, too. Mm and some of the things about living in a privileged society like we have is that we don't think we have a story you know yeah that's true the truth is we are the products of incredible gracious giving but for some reason i think it's a western or american thing we don't think we have anything to share that means anything anybody else like we don't have a story we're just average none of us are average We all have a deeply ingrained narrative that is about something. And it's a story worth telling. Yeah. The story, Ida and her sister, they were given a great opportunity. They are products of that opportunity and they know it. Mm -hmm. And they know that others face the same struggles they did. They noticed the need.
1: Well, and by extension, Tracy's story has also inspired thousands of other people. She herself has received, at the writing of this story, over 2,300 emails Mm. just in the last year. And she said there was one story that absolutely touched her heart. And she's been back in touch with this woman who read the story. She was about to commit suicide. Mm. She was at the end of herself. She was, like you said, my story doesn't matter. I don't Mm. have a story. And I'm going to end what story I do have. She saw this on the news. And it sparked something in her. And she decided to channel that energy into help. And she began to reach out and help others herself. She said, I will always think that Tracy saved my life. Mm. Tracy's story saved my life because I was motivated to do something positive, motivated to help. She said, I realized that I wasn't serving or helping or being generous to others. I was so inward focused and not that that's always the solution is to serve and to help and to be generous. It's a great thing to do.
0: Well, it's always a path to meaning.
1: It's not the end of the story, but it yeah. is a beginning of exactly. a way to change your mindset.
0: And that's a individual story, one person facing the decision about suicide or not suicide. And we know that every suicide story or those who have attempted it or have contemplated it have a different path they've gotten to that temptation. Mm. It's not that everybody's going to be able to respond to it or address it in exactly the same way. So we're not saying this is a general lesson, but it is a wonderful one in that one lady took inspiration that you would not have expected from the generosity of another person. Just the example, mm-hmm. just the story being told yeah. had an impact on her, yeah. which reminds me again that the stories we have when told, when honestly shared mm-hmm. in places where people are attentive to it, can have unimagined positive consequences that we can't even begin to fathom but the story itself matters and we have to remind ourselves of that and reiterate that we say that to our people on the air that we interview right And they say, Well, I'm sure I have much to say about this. I bet you do. Yes, you do. And we're going to spend the next 26 minutes pulling that out of you because we've seen something here that we want to share with our listeners. Right. So, yes, her story matters. And yes, Tracy's probably floored with humility that that story literally saved a life.
1: Yeah. We always want to go back to scripture with these stories. There's so many references, mostly in the Old Testament, but there's some things in the New Testament that Jesus says that are specific to this of welcoming the refugee or the stranger or the, the foreigner in your land. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. And Jesus himself in Matthew says, when I come back, I'm going to separate out those people who have done the serving and who haven't done the serving, basically, like a shepherd separates his sheep from his goats. He says, the king will say to those on his right, my father has blessed you. Come receive the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world was created. Because when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. And when I was naked, you gave me clothes to wear. When I was sick, you took care of me. And when I was in jail, you visited me. And the ones who please the Lord will ask, when did we do this? When did we give you something to eat or to drink?
0: They're shocked.
1: When did we welcome you as a stranger or give you clothes to wear or even visit you while you were sick or in jail? And the king will answer, whenever you did it for any of my people, no matter how unimportant they seemed, you did it for me.
0: Or how inconsequentially an encounter might have seemed to you.
1: Mm -hmm. That's exactly what Tracy did.
0: She did. Now, because this is a spiritual lesson we're talking about here, I want to make it very clear. We are not saying, this is America's responsibility. It's not. Mm -hmm. America is a nation. But God's got a kingdom, and the citizens of that kingdom are the ones that these scriptures address. Absolutely. So when Jesus says, welcome to the stranger, or we put those things on our monuments, like the Statue of Liberty, It's not because that statue is a Christian statue or has read the scriptures themselves. It is because the artist, the citizen, the person who elects their government and says, we want you to be about these things, they are the people that are responding to this truth Mm -hmm. and saying, I value the other because God has valued me Mm -hmm. and turned me from another to one of the family. I know what it's like to be adopted. Therefore, I see others as just as worthy of that love as I've received. Mm -hmm. In other words, our faith and the commandments of Jesus and how to live out that faith ought to have an impact on our nations. But it's not the nation. It's the kingdom. And so as we have an effect and we bring others into that ethic, so much the better for the world. But we're not doing this to turn this country into a Christian nation. It's because we're asking God to turn us into Jesus people. Right. If we are free to live that way out in our country, so much the better and so much the better for the world. And our country has been, in many ways, the past two and a half centuries, very much a giving nation because so many people, surprised by opportunity and saved from something, built this country. Mm -hmm. And their gratitude is what overflowed into action and into law. And we have lots of things that we've spoken to the world by action and word that have made it possible for human rights to become something that we talk about Mm -hmm. internationally. Led the way, not by this nation, but by the people who experienced the struggle, who then became the leaders and the citizens of a nation.
1: I would say that all of us at some time in our life have been a stranger. Yeah. And we've all been in a situation where we were unfamiliar with our surroundings.
0: So for those of us who are followers of the way and following Jesus into the thick of it and being willing to sit next to the stranger on the airplane on the way to a new country and speak peace and welcome, what are some other scriptures that speak to that for us?
1: Well, in the book of Hebrews, it says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. You never know what story is going to come from the person that you yeah. have entertained or that you have been generous to.
0: Now, people have argued about that scripture. Are they speaking <laughs> metaphorically or literally? It's both. And that (laughs) angels are literally out there. And maybe they're literally sent sometimes to test our willingness to say yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many stories about angels entering the scene that struggle with people or people struggle with them, like Jacob wrestling with the angel. And that sounds like a fight, not a welcome, right? Absolutely. Okay. Jacob didn't even learn welcome until he had been humbled. And he became a gracious host later to others knowing that he has wrestled with God. Mm. And sometimes I think you and I and our friends out there have to wrestle with God. Is this an opportunity for us to give? And is it really required of me? Is it something I'm struggling with? Metaphorically speaking, if it's an internal struggle, I would say wrestle it out with God until you know. His word can say be hospitable. But if we never have the practice of that, we haven't been challenged in that, we haven't gone out of our comfort zone, then we're being in some ways disobedient by not saying Yes. You know I think the scripture like you say is full of these remonstrations at times and the encouragements at other times to say this is good it is good when you welcome the other because mm-hmm. it's good for you
1: yeah honey there's so many ways that we can show generosity and hospitality to those around us and, and it's not just about oh I've got to invite these people into my home and I've got to feed them for a month and I've got to this and this and this and this, and this huge list that you make in your mind
0: yeah, before it even happens before
1: mm-hmm. it even happens it's just about sometimes they need a smile and they grocery store. Or a quick wave as you're driving down the road. I know people don't just wave at you when you're driving around. They do when
0: you're driving a truck.
1: (laughs) Scriptures tell us all through the Bible, just be kind, be generous. Mm. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit, kindness is one of those. And show hospitality without grumbling, it says in 1 Peter. And in Romans, it says, contribute to the needs of those around you and seek to show hospitality. And Welcome one another as Christ welcomed you. I mean, think about that. And that's to the glory of God. How has Christ welcomed you as a follower? Show that kind of generosity and that kind of welcome to those around you.
0: Can we as Christians rejoice when our government mimics our values Mm -hmm. and says, yeah, we'll follow that example. And yes, we should be welcoming. I would rather see us lead from the servant position at the bottom and say, whether you do it or not my country. I'm doing it because I'm part of this kingdom. Mm. That's where I would love to see it build from.
1: The children of Israel, And as they had come into the promised land, he specifically says to them in Leviticus, if there are immigrants in your land, treat them with respect. Don't cheat them like they're citizens. You must love them as yourself because you were refugees once. Ask the Lord to do it in you. Ask the Lord to do such a work that your heart would break for those who need your help, who need that hospitality.
0: I can't think of a better way to wrap it up than by saying we need it. Jesus desires it. And those coming to us are a gift to us, Mm -hmm. not a threat. I want to see a lot more Tracys in this world. Mm -hmm. Let's emulate that. There is so much to be thankful for, even in hard times. Right now, I'm very thankful for you. Your gift of time each day is a genuine treasure to us. Knowing that you're being challenged to live out your faith like never before is a wonderful encouragement to us as well. However you reach out, know that we're in this ministry and this work for you and because of you. Just call or write us today to help keep us on the air and in the field. Our year-end 2023 project is to provide more Bibles through our partner, Bibles for the World. Please give generously today so that we can help John send more copies of the Gospel of John for new believers along with New Testaments and full Bibles for those growing in their faith. Many of those Bibles are needed right now in Vietnam as the door stands wide open to serve the church there. Call 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is PO Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877 and jump in anytime at CompassionRadio.com.